another daily devotion, and I'm glad that you're here joining us. Today, we're in Colossians chapter 3. Now, last time, we looked at Colossians 2, and Paul was uh, warning uh, the Colossians to hold to Christ and not to be uh, distracted and not to be swayed or deceived into false doctrine, but he was really urging them to hold to Christ because Christ is God, that all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form in Christ, and that Christ is our Savior, Christ is the one who saves us from our sins and gives us new life. And that's what Paul is going to be talking about in chapter 3. He's talking about this new life that we have in Christ, and how in Christ, because we have been raised up with him and we have new life that that should affect the life that we live today now and it should affect our lives for the rest of our lives and so if you look at colossians 3 in verse 1 he says this therefore if you have been raised up with christ keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And so he says, if you have been raised up, and really uh, the idea is since you have been raised up, Paul's been telling them you have been raised up. If you've trusted Christ, you've died to your old life, you've been raised to new life in him. It's a similar concept that we see in Romans chapter 6, that baptism pictures our life in Christ, that we've died with him, we've been buried and we've been raised up to a new life in him. And so therefore, we have this new life in Christ. We walk in newness of life. And that our bodies and our lives are really instruments of righteousness to God. So Paul picks up on that same idea. And this is important because the Colossians were being deceived and false teachers were coming in. And the culture was saying that you have to submit to all of these rules and regulations. That uh, you have to uh, severely treat your body uh, in order to be spiritual. And Paul says that doesn't have any effect. It has no value. That's how Paul ends chapter 2. But what does have value, he says, is set your mind on things above. Set your mind on Christ. Look at verse 2. He says, set your mind on the things above, not the things of the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. So Paul says, hey, um, mistreating your body and uh, adhering to all of these rules and regulations, that's not going to help you live this new life. But what is going to help is by setting your mind on the things above, setting your mind on Christ. Because you have been raised up with him, then set your mind on Christ. And so we need to dwell and think about Christ and his word and the reality that because of him, I've been saved from my sins, that I have a new destination in eternity, that I'm on my way to heaven, but I also have new life here and now where I can live for Christ and I can glorify him in this life, in this body. And so Paul talks about that, how we do that. And really he brings to the Colossians two principles. One is the put-off principle, and the other one is the put-on principle. Look at what he says in verse 5. He says, Therefore consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, purity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. So he lists six areas of sin that really... Uh, all culminate in idolatry. He says, For it is because of these things that the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience. And in them you also once walked when you were living in them. But now you also put them all aside. 
So Paul says, hey, you need to put aside sin. You need to say no to sin. This is the same idea of when Jesus said, if anyone wants to be my disciple, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. In that passage where, where Jesus in Luke 9 says, hey, you want to follow me? Deny yourself, take up your cross, follow me. Jesus summarizes the put on or the put off and the put on principle. Paul explains it a little bit more uh, in detail here, but the idea is that as believers, we need to put off sin. That if there's sin in our lives, sin that we identify, that we need to deny it. We need to say no to sin. We need to put that off. And by God's grace, we are able to because he has given us new life in him. And that sin is no longer our master. We're no longer enslaved to sin. And that sin has no power over us. And so Paul says, hey, consider the, the members of your earthly body dead to sin and put it off. Refuse the sin. Say no to it. Renounce the sin. Turn your back on the sin and put it off. And it's kind of the idea of, you know, anytime sin pops up in your life, you, you, you push it aside and say, no, I'm not, I'm not going to give in to you because I'm following Christ to have a new master. So Paul talks about this putting off of sin. He says, you once walked according to these things, but now you put them all aside. Verse 8, he says, you put them all aside, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. So Paul says in salvation, you've already put these aside. When you've turned to Christ and you were saved, part of that was repentance, saying, God, these things that are in my life that, that are sin, you don't want them in my life. God, I don't want them in my life either. And so, and so we, we push them aside and we turn from them. We repent. We turn to Christ. And Paul is saying, as a believer, you need to continue to do that. That repentance isn't just a one-time deal. That, oh, yeah, I repented when I got saved. And that was 10 years ago. No, I need to be repenting day by day. Whenever I identify sin in my life <clears throat> and I recognize that, hey, this this doesn't honor the Lord. I need to repent from that and put it aside. And so Paul talks about that. You put all these things aside. And then in verse 10, he says, and you've put on the new self, which is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. And so in salvation, God saves us. He changes us. He gives us new life. And we need to walk in that newness of life. We need to exercise that new life. So that means that we put off sin and we put on righteousness. We put on Christ-likeness, that we seek to actively obey and to put into practice what God says about living rightly, and we need to put into practice what God says about turning away from sin. We need to do both. So God is the, the ultimate source, and he is the ultimate purpose and agent in our salvation and change life, but that doesn't excuse us from being diligent to say, Lord, I need to live out this life that you've called me to live, and so I'm going to be diligent to make choices and to think in ways and to act in ways where I'm putting my faith into action. And so that's what Paul does. He says, hey, in Christ, you've put on this new self. You're being renewed uh, to a true knowledge according to the one who created him. So in Christ, we're a new creation. He's given us true knowledge, and we're being renewed by him day by day. And so that means we need to work it out. 
But Paul goes on in verse 12. He says, so as those who have been chosen, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. So Paul says you need to actively put on a heart of compassion. You need to put on actions of kindness and humility and gentleness. Just as they were to put off sin, they need to put on righteousness, right behavior, and being active in it. Paul says, put these on. Verse 13, he says, bearing with one another. This idea of enduring one another. And sometimes people rub you the wrong way. Sometimes uh, people are hard to get along with. But what he says is you need to bear with them. You need to be patient with them. You need to put up with them. And you need to have this heart of compassion and gentleness and humi humility. Not just bearing with them, but forgiving each other just as the Lord has forgiven you. And so he says you need to put on these key attitudes of love and forgiveness. He summarizes it in verse 14. He says, beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. They actively put on love and say, I'm going to love this person. I'm going to love God. I'm going to do these things, and I'm not going to be passive about it. I'm going to be active, actively putting off sin and actively putting on righteousness. And so Paul talks about all of these things and he gives us a hint of how these things happen he says in verse 15 let the peace of christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you are called in one body and be thankful and let the word of christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing with thankfulness in your hearts to god so Paul lists several things here, and he says, you know what, to, to do this, what do you need to do? Well, you need to let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. You need to remember the forgiveness that you have in him. You need to be thankful. You need to let God's word richly dwell within you. You need to express this with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. So all of these things are ways that, that we can foster putting on Christ. As we do these things. The rest of the chapter, Paul deals specifically with family relationships and with slave-master relationships. Today for us, it would be employee-employer relationships. But he says, based on these things, this is the way that you're to live in these areas of life that you have these closest relationships. And so uh, I hope that this is a help for you, that um, uh, God is at work in your heart. But don't sit back and say, you know, God's going God's gonna to change me. Um, he is going to change you, but he's saying, hey, you need to put off sin and you need to put on righteousness. And we need to be active about it. I think a good way to think about this would be like a farmer, right? The farmer, he goes, he, he, he plants the seed. God's the one that causes it to, growth, to, to grow, but the farmer, he still goes out, he waters the seed, he pulls the weeds, he fertilizes it. God does uh, what God is going to do, but the farmer can work alongside of God and he can cultivate a good uh, uh, produce. And that's what God wants from us too. God is the one that does the change in our lives, but he expects us to be active where we're cultivating righteousness and holiness in our lives. So let's make sure that we do that. And I hope you're encouraged today. Look forward to seeing you next time. God bless. 